you got to have strong boundaries with clients. You got to stick to your guns and you really have to do things in the best interest of the client's business. Just remember that. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 590. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy to have you here. And today for part two, and I will let you know what episode part one was in just a moment, we have Sarah Nokid. And I really want you, if you haven't listened to part one yet, go back, listen to it, because it was just so full of valuable insight, valuable insight. That's not what I'm looking for. Help me out here, Sarah. Just Yeah, it was so full of just nuggets of juiciness. Yo, yeah, I like that. That's so much better than me. <laughs> Clearly, you're in a different time zone and have, it, have had your coffee this morning. I've had 800. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So episode 572, folks, that will be in the show notes. But we only touched the surface in mm-hmm. part one. And I was just sharing with Sarah a little bit of what has gone down. And even though this is a positive productivity podcast, there is stuff that goes down, even though, you know, we want to look at it positive from time to time. So today, we're just going to pick back up. There were some questions that came in and comments from the last episode. So yeah, we're just going to have a blast part two. Mm -hmm. And who knows, there might be a blast part three. But Sarah, for people who didn't listen to part one and aren't listening to me when I say go back and listen to it, can you just give a brief introduction? Hey, come on, I know I'm stubborn. And if I'm already listening or driving, I'm not going to push pause and go back. Right, right, right. So we, we basically touched on the differences between an OBM and a VA. We talked a lot about delegating, a lot about team growth and all kinds of like juiciness in between. So it was like a really jam packed session that we had last time. Absolutely. And for people who don't know your story, can you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're just catching the second part. So uh, again, my name is Sarah Noked. I am a certified online business manager and online business manager trainer. I also run a full scale OBM agency. So I've been doing that for quite a long time. And I have a community of online business managers and virtual support providers and it's just all good things. You know, it's just about up leveling. If you're a VA wanting to sort of transition to being an OBM, you know, it's kind of like my story. So I also live in Israel, funny enough, which is kind of interesting. I'm originally from Canada and I moved here for love and a little bit of insanity. So I feel like that too plays a critical role in like, I guess my story Because it really forced me to be more resourceful and to actually leverage the skills that I have. So most of my skills don't even really come necessarily from my short stint as a VA, but actually come from, you know, my corporate experience. I had a landscaping company in Canada with my then boyfriend, now husband, which is, oh my God, maybe that will be episode three where I talk about going into business with my significant other. It was fun times, but I remember at one point saying to him, are we going to be able to laugh about these things one day? Because we were fighting like cats and dogs. It was just crazy. So here I am, you know, running this really successful multi six figure business all the way from this little kibbutz in northern Israel. So it's been pretty cool. Kibbutz. Is that a real word? 
I, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like such yeah. a fun word that would it's come like out of village. my mouth when I couldn't. It's, yeah. Kibbutz. Yeah. It's like a little village. So it's like, yeah, I think it comes from the Yiddish word, maybe kibbutz, which I think is like, like slang for gossip. I don't even know. That's probably not. I mean, that's like really <laughs> derailing, but yeah, it's like this, maybe I'll come and visit me one day. It's like a farm. It's like, I basically live on a farm. I'm like looking at my window. We're about 10 minute drive from the Mediterranean Sea. It's really exotic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's really nice. And it's always hot here, which I, I do miss the cold weather. But the nice thing about being an online business manager is I can, you know, go travel whenever I want and work pretty much from anywhere as long as there's Wi-Fi, right? Right, right. Oh my gosh. I was on a Skype call with my operations director last night and it was about 10 o'clock. Okay. To all of you who are listening, I do not advocate working late <laughs> or staying up late, but my operations director is my sister and we have packed days. So we fit it in when we can. And maybe I abuse the sister card a little bit, okay. <laughs> but the Wi-Fi was just breaking up and I'm like, why the heck is this happening? And then I think about it. Okay. We're on summer vacation. <laughs> As at the time of this recording, I have my teenage sons playing whatever they play. My husband is on two computers designing his game. And then my three littles are playing the older brother card and trying to abuse, you know, sleep time. So <laughs> they've wrapped daddy around their oh, finger. Summer they, vacation. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. They, they take iPhones to bed. I know. I know, you, right? You parenting coaches who are listening, you don't need to send me any emails. I know. I know. It's not great. I don't laugh out. Don't yep. simmer down. Please. Right? Not at all. But I know. I've thought about that plenty of time and I'm just like, well, you know, I mean, that they're still young. Maybe, maybe at some point. Well, my five-year-old has started recording videos because she wants to make a YouTube station or a YouTube oh, channel of her maybe own. You'll, maybe you'll make 20 million like Ryan's tour. Exactly. Exactly. She's like, how do I do that? How do I get those little, those little cartoons? I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think we really got into the OBM process mm -hmm. a lot. Like we know that it's more than a VA. Right. So I started my business as a virtual assistant in 2012. And then in 2014, I had a client who wanted to use Infusionsoft. Mm. And she had a whole bunch of friends who wanted to use Infusionsoft, but they were scared because they didn't want to pay the hefty rate. I that, bet they're kicking themselves in the ass today. <laughs> well, actually, we ended up cooking up a deal that they... Mm -hmm paid, they sponsored me is how I'll put it. They sponsored me to become Infusionsoft certified in return oh, wow. for a set number of hours a piece. And like, I gave them basically the VA rate that I was charging before I went and got Infusionsoft certified. Wow. So it worked. Oh, it was really beneficial for them, really beneficial for me. And the client who was the head, you know, the head honcho on this whole deal is still a dear friend, but mm -hmm. I realized it was time to move up because I saw the opportunity. But that that is not becoming an OBM. So what does no. the OBM process look like? Do you need to have a certification to call yourself an OBM? Yeah, that's a great question. So you don't absolutely you don't need to be certified to call yourself an online business manager. So I have these five differentiating things that make for like really explaining well what the difference is. So the first thing is that as an OBM, 
we're more focused on strategy rather than implementation. So that doesn't mean that I'm a strategist per se, although I do consider myself a digital marketing strategist because I've, you know, that's just been a hobby of mine for many years. So the client, the high end client that we like to work with, you know, these are people who are really clear on their goals. They're really clear on the strategy, either, the, and they're usually working with a coach or they've, you know, they've been in the game for a long time. So they know what their goals and strategies are. So it's up to us as the OBM to make that happen. And that usually means delegating to a team, creating plans. So a lot of what we do is project planning and management, team management, metrics management, you know, funnel management, all of that, all of that goodness. So we're really more focused on strategy. The other thing is, is we really work with lesser clients. So it's like less is more. So as an OBM, as an OBM working solo, I mean, I personally have an agency, which means I have people on my team that work with clients, but as a solo OBM, you know, I can work with probably four, maybe five clients max, depending on you know, what kind of capacity I'm working with them on. So it's kind of like the less is more situation. So the other defining factors between the OBM and the VA is that you're coming at it with a different mindset and it's the mindset of a leader rather than an assistant or like a manager slash leader. So it's a different sort of you know, I'm, I'm basically telling people what to do rather than being told what to do. And for a lot of people who are sort of like, maybe they're a VA or they're even in corporate or whatever. For me, it was this, okay, like I didn't like obviously being called somebody's assistant that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, which is lame, but it is what it is. And then just being truthful. But oh, also, I, agree. I didn't like it either. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm not your assistant because I was actually, even as an, as a VA, I was always doing more. So I was also really focused on, you know, making their business grow, helping them grow their team. So I was that sounding board as well. So they were like, you know, bouncing ideas off of me and we were, you know, strategizing together and sort of planning out things like that. So it's, there's like a leadership quality to it as well. The other thing is, is that an OBM can't work with everybody. So the whole thing is that the business that the OBM is working with has to actually be a business. So it's not a, like startups are not our forte because as OBMs, we're coming in it more for the long haul, which means that, you know, I'm not going to come in there and do some tasks. You know, I'm going to come in there for the long haul because like learning someone's business, like there's a significant learning curve that needs to happen there. I need to basically figure out their entire business. I need to understand what their streams of revenue are. I need to understand what, what each team member does. I'm getting into their projects and all their planning and all of that stuff as well. Positive productivity is not about perfection. Right. And then the other, the last piece is that it's loose boundaries versus strong client expectations. And this is why I, I was saving this one Wait, for last. Repeat that I, again. Yes. So the last point that I want to chat with, but the differentiating factor, the fifth one is, is this concept of boundaries and expectations. So as a VA, you just naturally have very loose expectations, loose boundaries with a client because the client is sort of, it's on the client to give you, to task things out to you in a lot of ways. So you're kind of sitting there waiting for the client to give you something to do. Whereas as an OBM, we're being more proactive. And I like to say it's about having stronger client expectations. You have to, and this is again, where the leadership comes into place. You really have to lead the client and really instill these 
strong expectations between like in the relationship so that this whole, you know, a lot of the times, even when I was a VA, like I'd get a call or I'd get like a task at like, you know, two o'clock on Friday afternoon and they want it done before the weekend kind of thing, you know, but as an OBM, you know, that's just not going to fly. Right. Cause a, I'm not going to be doing your implementing, but I'm also not going to be able to get, to track down that team member. So it's, it's really about creating a better foundation so that the client really knows what to expect from you. You know, I'm around, I'm I'll, even though I am your, your you know, your full on OBM, I'm not going to be around 24 seven, but here's when I'm available. Here's my turnaround time. Here are our team members that can do X, Y, and Z. So it's really about like having these better expectations. And I like that more instead of just it being kind of like the ball is in the client's court. Well, as an OBM, it's kind of both in, in both of our courts, you know, it's up to us as a partnership to have that really successful relationship. Absolutely. I just realized I don't even know what microphone I'm talking into. People just <laughs> bear with me if this is not my normal microphone quality, but I have a feeling I'm not talking into the right one. You know, you brought up an interesting point because even for people who are VAs, even as virtual assistants, we have to understand that this is our business. Right. And there has to be boundaries is what I'm trying right. to say. Right. Because I did have that. I had one specific case that I can remember where I was actually on the way to a soccer match for my now 13 year old. It was the first game that the whole family was going to after my twins were born. It was like seven o'clock at night and the client wanted me to set up a whole funnel. Now, I wasn't a virtual assistant, but I don't care what your role is. When you have your own business, you have the right to say yes and no. And right. when you start saying yes all the time, you're going to basically strip yourself of the ability to say no in the future because you're setting up that expectation that you're going to say yes. yes all the time. So I was like, no, I, I can't do that tonight. I'm on my way to a soccer match for my son. She's like, well, isn't there a McDonald's nearby? Don't you have your laptop? You can just go huh? use their Wi-Fi. Like, Ouch. no, I am going yeah. to my son's soccer match. I am not doing that. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah. Our virtual assistant clients or our OBM clients, or even in my case, like my marketing automation clients, they are not our bosses. They are our clients. Nope. And yeah. if we are to be expected to be there 24-7 for them, then that actually makes our employer, and at least here in the States, that does impact the taxes involved. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about just there is that that degree of not waiting around. You have to be proactive and you have to, it's like the forward thinking firefighter. Like you don't want to be fighting fires as an OBM. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want to be making sure that those fires never happen. Right. Yeah. You want to try to be as proactive as you can be. Thank you. That's so much yes. eloquently. <laughs> well, I talk about, I mean, this is like my, my elevator pitch. I'm the proactivity and all of these things, you know, like, because most clients that in my experience as an OBM, and I've been doing this just like you since 2012, in my experience, you know, a lot of these OBM clients, even still, you know, you can tell that they're very, in a, they're in a reactive mode, both with how they hire their team. I find this a lot. And this is one of the things that I, my other passion is team growth. And 
I like to always say to people, you know, hire for the role you want on your team in a year from now, not the role you needed three months ago, you know? So it's like they're hiring in, in reactive mode. They are firing in reactive mode. They are project planning in reactive mode. They are launching in reactive mode and it's all a hot mess. So, you know, the OBM comes into that hot mess and like, that's what I'm saying. It really is a long haul thing because you don't just clean it up and then set it and forget it. You know, there's like, it's the business is living and breathing. The systems are living and breathing. All this stuff is always kind of, you know, evolving and the entrepreneur is evolving and they're, they're having their, you know, wanting to sort of implement different things. So it's really on us as OBMs to really be proactive and make the right things happen. I am absolutely loving this conversation. So <laughs> my sister, even though we're calling her operations director, she is essentially my OBM. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting, though, working with her because she is completely new to this space. Well, she was completely new when she started working with me. So there's been a lot of education involved in just letting her, you know, learning her. curve. Yeah. But I really, yeah, I love it though, because she didn't come in with the preconceived notions of this is how it should be. This is how it should be. This is how it should be. But right. her background was she was a grocery manager for 15 years, working for a large chain in Northeast United States. And she was often the one sent or reassigned to the stores that were in a lot of trouble. So listeners, you know, she was cleaning it all. She was already cleaning up messes. She was. <laughs> Before she got into your business. Before she got into my business. And <laughs> listeners, you know I'm very transparent. She walked into a giant mess here because, I mean, my inbox had maybe a thousand emails in it, many of which I had opened, gotten distracted, and never responded to people. So that was like a huge issue. And I want all my clients to feel heard and acknowledged. But when I was running around like a rabbit not a rabbit chicken with my head cut off. I don't ask me where a rabbit just came from. <laughs> it wasn't happening and people were getting upset. First, she was responding as me and then we shifted her to responding as herself and just letting them know that, you know, she's either taking care of whatever their question was or that she's talked to me and here's the response or why don't we set up a quick call for you or whatever needs to be done. And they are right. so much happier just just off of that alone. Yeah. And you have that off your plate. So now you can actually focus on, you know, your podcast, the things that only you can do in your business, like recording this right now. My inbox saw 47 emails last week. Hmm. I love that because I have a picture of my dream house on the background and I want to be able to see it. Hmm. In Gmail, at least, there's 50 emails on the page. But I know yeah. that it's either been forwarded to my teamwork task list or it's already been taken care of. And I think so many of us, especially when we don't have an OBM working with us, and I don't want to say for us because that was what she said before she started. I can't wait to work for you. It's like, no, it's not working for me. It's working with me. Right. Like we use teamwork in my company. And so she has just been forwarding my task because I don't want to be in my email. I, I use that as my filing system sometimes and my task list. And we can easily get ourselves into that trap. And then it becomes like minded. A thousand. Oh my gosh, I've seen clients with 10,000 emails in their inbox. It's like, how do you get anything done? I, yeah. I wasn't getting anything Stressful. done with a thousand. Yeah. I want to ask you if you feel like OBMs should give tough love. 
Oh yeah. A hundred million percent. So, you know, the thing that I love to tell people and especially to teach the people in the program is that the business is actually your client. So despite what your client thinks, it's actually the business that you have to do what's in the best interest of the business. And that doesn't always match up with what the client wants. So I'll give you an example. I had had a client for many years who was a seven-figure business owner, online business, sold programs, had a membership, all of that. And I had been working with her for a couple of years and we had, we have a great relationship. We still have a great relationship. And I had said to her one day, you know, I really feel like you need to get this funnel up and running. It was a program that she had launched a couple of years before. And it was like kind of, she felt that it wasn't really in line with where she was at in her business and in her journey. Now, what I could see as a business owner myself and as somebody who, I had seen what she was doing and no, you know, I was her OBM for years. I knew what her people wanted. I was like, no, no, I actually think that your people need this. And, and she had a lot of personal resistance just by virtue of where she felt she was at in her business. Like she didn't want to be, yeah, it was like, so it was more of an entry level program that she's kind of didn't want to associate herself with. Like she was like wanting to work with higher end clients. I'm like, that's great. One-on-one, you work with those higher-end clients, but we still need something. We need a funnel at the beginning that's going to bring people in that's really, you know, low commitment, you know, all of that stuff. I'm not going to get into that piece. But, you know, we had, like, I had to be really tough with her in a loving kind of way because she had a lot of resistance, but I, I ultimately knew that that was the best decision for the business despite you know, her preconceived notions of what she kind of coached she felt that she was, you know, it still is today a really great revenue driver and it brings in fresh leads and all that stuff. And it brings in people who otherwise probably wouldn't have an opportunity to, to be exposed to her because she's in such a specific coaching niche. So that was like my tough love. And I, and I really had to kind of give it to her hard because she had such resistance and she was fighting with me. Like we were having like a love fight, you know, like we love each other, but we were like fighting. Mm -hmm. And in the end, she came around. I had to really stay on her about it, too. So um, I think sometimes you have to just think about what's, you know, as a virtual support provider, you know, when the client's confusing you because they have their own story and they're going through their own journey, you have to just kind of think of like, well, what's going to be the best move financially for this business? wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs, and then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. Okay, I'm going to pretend like you are my OBM and I am a client. I love the example that you just gave because 
I have realized lately that I don't necessarily, my top level offering, I don't want it to be one-on-one. Right. I build funnels all day, every day. It's exhausting. I want to spend more time with my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's somebody who, when I get to this point, wants to hire me one-on-one, it's going to cost. I'm going to be totally honest because I am, and I'm just going to put it how it is in my head right now. I'm damn good at what I do. And I know that they'll get so much more value than what I'm currently charging for for my funnels. But I don't want it to be that way. So I do have that entry-level product because I also, on the flip side, to be able to serve the people who are where I was just a couple of years ago, the broken and burnt out entrepreneurs who are just so fried that, and I hate to say this, especially because it's a positive productivity podcast, but I was so fried, I was suicidal. Oh, wow. And I know there are other entrepreneurs out there. So we had the positive productivity pod. Yes, that's a push. But, you know, the membership community for people who can't afford the higher up offerings yet. But if we do our job there, and if we provide the value that we should be, then we're going to be furthering them along the path to get the mid-level product and then the high-level product. That's right. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to ask about the tough love and this is, again, being totally transparent. I let go of my first OBM in 2015 because she gave me really tough, tough love. And I was mm-hmm. not prepared for it. And I didn't think it was her place to do it. Now, looking back, she was totally in line. Yeah. She did some things that were not in line, but <laughs> that part was in line. The next OBM was more of a VA. And didn't do enough, like never, never even tried to push me to do more. And I paid a lot of money and it did not help my business. And actually my business went down during that point. Wow. And enter Jackie, who is playing her sister card and giving me super tough love. But we have seen such transformation in three months. It's great. And I never really thought about that until just now on this call that as an OBM, the success of the client is your su- success as well. That's if you don't, right. yeah, if you That's don't right. have that success, then you are not going to have a client. And you exactly, exactly. And that's why there is such a, um, a learning curve because I need to understand, like when I start working with a client, I need to understand first and foremost, where the revenue is coming from. And let's be honest, that ain't so clear with some of these clients. Like I'll just be being totally transparent. Like sometimes it's not as straightforward as you think it would be. You know, they have like funnels that are very, you know, convoluted and, and all kinds of affiliate relationships that are maybe, you know, not really kind of accounted for. And also too, like I find just a lot of clients, we will get in there and there's just a lot of money being left on the table just because of poor payment follow-up and just making sure that there's a good system for the client care person to manage that. So these are the the first things we do is we like to call it in OBM world is like fixing, like it's like the leaky bucket, you know, but you're literally leaking money from that bucket, oh you know? Oh my gosh. So I, yeah. I just talked about this actually. Listeners, to get the show notes and any resources that we talk about in this episode, you can go to PP590. But episode PP589, which was just released last week, as of the day of this episode going out, was with Lori Conrad. And I shared on that episode that I've been reading Profit First. Oh, yeah. Have you read that? Of course. I love Michael McAllowitz. And okay, I'm a- thank you for saying Clockwork. this, Clockwork. Hey, amazing book. I love his. 
This is my first book of his that I've read. Profit oh, first. I love all of his stuff is so good. Okay. So, oh, by the way, everybody, I've already reached out to him. And he said, after I finish reading and see how it works for me, then invite him on the show, which is just like thrilling to me. That's so cool. Yeah. So I did my, my numbers. I did my instant assessment. And oh my gosh, they were so alarming. I mean... This is me, again, I just need to stop saying it, but just to give you a really deep inside look, for the last tax year, my top line revenue was 71000 but my expenses were 45000 Wow. That is like 60% instead of the recommended 30%. <laughs> right. And by the way, I was two months late filing my taxes. And I did it myself. I realized, okay, this is the last year that I'm going to do it myself because I need to see where all this operating expenses are going. And going through the numbers and having to, you know, put everything into the proper bucket, I was like, okay, this sucks. Yeah. There's another bad coaching expenditure. There's another program that I shouldn't have purchased because I never even went through it. There's another this. There's another that. I mean, to the sum of an extra $24,000 right. was almost as much as I paid myself last year. Oh yeah. It's just so, yeah. I mean, there's no reason for that. I was this close. I mean, imagine me with my fingers this close together to paying my contractors more than I paid myself last year. And if I had had my whole profit first system in line, I mean, I am so excited to see what happens now going forward because I went through this past weekend and I slashed a whole bunch. But I also realized I've been slashing a whole bunch over the last year just looking at or since. Okay, I took care of 2018 taxes, but a whole bunch of programs and systems that I had signed up for, I no longer have because I realized I didn't need them. But I'm mm-hmm. so excited to see a number much less than 45000 for 2019. And that was something I had actually shared with Jackie because she's asking, why do you have all this? I'm like, well, I actually don't have a lot of it anymore. And she wanted to know what what else do you need to do what you want to do? Because she Hmm. was trying to get a better idea. And with that question came the magical answer of actually nothing. (laughs) I have everything that I need. What I need is to stop going into my inbox and seeing all these like shiny object syndrome offers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So she goes in and she just deletes them before I can even see them, (laughs) which is awesome. Right there. I mean, she's probably covering herself as an expense right there. You see what I mean? Absolutely. (laughs) That's like the crazy part. But I know I'm not alone because I was thinking, okay, that since this money's in the bank or PayPal as the case is, I can spend it. Well, no, Kim, you can't. You have to pay yourself. You do. Yeah. And I will not deny that the amount of fast food that was spent, like, well. Yeah, but you know, you've got kids and. Okay, but I didn't want to get myself in trouble with the IRS. Hopefully, I mean, I was not. Let's just say that I was using my business card for personal expenses. Yeah. Well, that's okay, because if you have a good accountant, you know, it's up to that person to kind of... Oh, I I took care of it. You can only use a certain amount of that, a certain percentage towards an expense anyway. So if you have too many that you've submitted, then after a while, it just, it doesn't get counted anymore. That was all counted as owner's pay. Oh, all right. But it was fine. But when I realized, oh my gosh, how many times did we go to McDonald's Uh, that uh, week? Right. (laughs) I know. You could have fed 
three families in this town from the grocery for how much you spent in fast food. But it was yeah. because of poor time planning, trying to do too much, not having an OBM, that you fell into this trap of having to eat out because your time was poorly spent. Exactly. That's true, right? Oh, yeah. I interviewed a coach, a perspective coach for myself from the McDonald's fast food line. <laughs> that was a big red flag to me. Like, okay, where's yeah. my time going? What have been some of the huge ahas that your clients have seen besides the one that you already shared? Huh, huge ahas that my clients have seen. I think so. I mean, one client in particular. So obviously I like to work with clients that have a lot of potential. One of the things I look for when I'm looking to work with a client is, and this, this has come over the years and this is sort of like one of those, I mean, ideal client avatar. I'm not sure I really believe in that because as an OBM, I always joke that I niche on personality, but I'm really not joking. I, I really, I can be interested in a lot of different types of businesses, but as an OBM, I'm partnering with the, my client, one particular client that we worked, started working with over the years, she had this Instagram following just by virtue of her being, so she's in the parenting space. She is a big Waldorf advocate and she had this like stellar Instagram following just by virtue of her self and how smart she is and how she really cares about this. I'm a big funnel geek as well. I mean, Kim, I think we're, we both are like kindred souls when it comes to that. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the ahas that I have with clients are just like st structuring what they already have into funnels or helping them create that intake product or helping them create that higher level package that they need. So, I mean, I kind of do put my coaching hat on sometimes with clients. I'm not going to lie. And, and that is a big piece of what we teach in the program too, because that's part of leadership, right? But the ahas I've experienced with clients have all been around their potential to sell products to their communities. So again, most of the clients that I work with already have a community. They have, you know, something that they really believe in. So it's been really interesting for me to, you know, take what I've learned from my own business and from my client's business and just kind of like apply it to clients that otherwise like wouldn't have a product or they would, you know, they'd be just maybe selling services or the one-on-one. -on -one. So that's been really cool sort of having clients that have had a lot of success in sales. And, you know, we just, we have this, that particular client who literally was not making a lot of money. And when we first started working with her and I could see the potential, normally I wouldn't work with someone in that phase of startup, but she had such a huge Instagram following just cause she was so cool and, you know, really, really was authentic. It made it very easy for me to have a lot of success with her as a client because she had so much damn potential. So a lot of the aha ahas came from products that we could sell, leveraging things like Facebook ads, you know, and just like these are the things that are very second nature to me. But when you can help a client overcome a mindset issue or maybe the, oh, what, what do I need to build the list for or whatever, things like that? It's like, yeah, you need to build a list because you're going to turn around, and you're going to solve those people. So my ahas come around sales and, you know, over kind of like going over the mark that we set for ourselves and bringing to the table my digital marketing prowess, which I love digital marketing. I mean, I'm, you know, for, for better or worse and sometimes to my own default or to my own kind of expense, digital marketing. But, you know, with these clients, I mean, there's just so many. And the nice thing about being a VA or an OBM or really any kind of service provider in today's day and age is you get to see 
really complex back ends to these businesses. And it's really, really amazing. It's a privilege for me to be exposed to that and to be able to kind of cross pollinate other clients' businesses with the things that I learned from those other clients too has been really huge. Oh my gosh, I can ditto that. Yeah. I have a client right now who has a large affiliate base. So when this client launches, you know, there's a lot of people who come in to support, but mm-hmm. the affiliating is limited to one product, but that's not the only product that this client has. Hmm. And I just started thinking, you know, what if you offered commission on the rest of the products? Well, that client wasn't interested, but I'm like, okay, well, but I'm interested. So I've been looking at that in my own community. I mean, mm-hmm. My community, and this is going to sound big-headed, but I don't mean it, they love the stuff that they're involved in. So why don't I offer affiliate commission on my monthly membership program? Well, I do now, like, and it's recurring monthly. Why wouldn't I? You send me a lead and you get 10% commission, there's still 90% there. And keep it going ongoingly. Why wouldn't you keep on sending leads? That's still more more and more and more money in your pocket, especially if you're getting value out of it. Totally. Yeah, totally. So I don't mean to bash this person, but I I feel like sometimes they're cheap is the only word that I can come up with. (laughs) You don't necessarily think about the additional income that you can make because you're thinking only about the additional money that's going to be going out the same as the case with Facebook ads. Well, I don't have money for Facebook ads. Well, right. what if, and I've heard Jenna Kutcher say, say it, I've heard Pat Flynn say it, but what if for every $5 that you put out, you got $10 back in? Right. Can you still not afford it? Right. Hey, I know it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think, you know, it's just like why we hire coaches and, you know, I think a lot of us always, and I know me too. I, I tend to spend a lot on, you know, courses and coaches some in vain, but some, you know, I really do get a good ROI from. But yeah, Facebook ads is definitely where it's at too, for sure. Well, I want to say the same is the case for OBM services too. You put mm-hmm. out this much, but now your clients are taken care of because you're not in the nitty gritty trying to do everything that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And, you know, most of my clients really suck at project management and they don't like it. And the managing the team is very frustrating for them. Like these are, you know, they, these are visionaries. And I think, you know, over the years I've, I definitely have a vision for my business too, but I really started off really wholeheartedly wanting to be in service for other people, right. To help them grow because I'm, you know, great at, I'm a person people, I'm a person people, people person. <laughs> I'm talking about Welcome backwards. to positive productivity. Now. I'm you, talking You backwards. got it from me. Yeah. So I think like they're just not great at the operations piece and the team management piece. And like, I can't tell you, like if I could account for the people that actually like monitor their metrics, my God, like nobody has any clue what the last launch did, what this launch did. There's, yeah, maybe there's a strategy, but nobody's actually really following up. So there's a lot that can happen when a client is left in their zone of genius, doing the things that only they can do in their business. And it's usually, those are the things that are usually the closest to the revenue, not always, but usually, and then leave the rest to like your capable team, which is great, you know, which is great for a lot of these people that just otherwise would, you know, drown in, you know, or not use a project management tool. And I love teamwork too. I'm Kim, I'm a big teamwork user as well. I went through three others 
before I went to teamwork. Teamwork PM is good. Yeah, yeah. teamwork PM is very good. Yeah, I am just thinking this week in the life of Kim is actually what I call my CCC week. And this is new since you and I chatted last. The third week of the month is now my CCC week, which is content catch up and clean up. Okay. Yeah, I actually I was joking with a client last night. I was like, it's not to be confused with, you know, Bible school or anything like that, because that's what it was called when I was growing up was CCC, you've got to go to CCC. No, it's Kim's content catch up and clean up. I would not have this week where yes, I do still have podcasts scheduled, but I would not have this week to write articles. And it's so funny. If I had the graphics created, I was about to publish my article called um, Boundaries and Expectations mm. right before we got on. Like it's going live today. It's already written. Oh, wow. So I was over here laughing on mute when you were talking about boundaries and expectations. I mean, I'm just going through a lot of learning due to mm. some personal circumstances about that lately. But I have that article. I'm I'm working on other articles. I'm catching up on client work that just got lost in a little bit of a mess. And now next week, when I get back into a full week of appointments, all my stuff's going to be ready. Stuff is yeah. the word that I was going to use, but you know what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's going to be ready. But five years ago, okay, let me just be honest. Three years ago, even two years ago, I wouldn't have had the bandwidth to even block myself out for a week. Hmm. It just wouldn't have. I was too fried, trying to do too much. I had overcommitted myself, overpromised. It wasn't there. So for mm-hmm. those of you who are listening, who are just feeling really fried, don't give up, please. Yeah, And Rachel Luna, she actually, I was just talking to my sister about this last night. She's the one who inspired me to start reclaiming one hour a week Hmm. for my own business. That's powerful. And then one hour turned into two and then two turned into one whole week a month. Yes. I would have never imagined this seven years ago. Right. But if we don't give ourselves that time, then we're always going to be fried. We're never going to create content. We're not going to be able to get people into our funnel and... Where's the money going to come from? Exactly. Yeah. And how are we going to help people? How are we going to, you know, give them our, you know, I I find that with this certification program, like it really, it's my way of giving back in a lot of ways. Like I was so grateful to have founded in 2012 and to have become certified then. So I feel like this is also an opportunity for me to pay it forward and bring other people into, you know, this very lucrative way of working from home and, you know, being a mom, like, you know, like we are and, Doing it all, right? Like we do do it all. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so I just need to put this out there. So you were waiting for your babysitter right before our call. I gave you the heads up that most of my kids were sleeping. My husband was still sleeping. I mean, you've heard one of my kids in the background during the call. But that doesn't mean that we stop. No, we still have everything that we need. We just need to be smart with the time that we have. I would love to segue really quickly into what you're doing now. I know we touched upon it in the last episode, but I've, this was such a great episode. I don't want to lose the people who didn't listen to part one. So would you share what you do now and how you can support people? Yeah. So I'm still running my agency. So we still have, you know, if you need online business management support, I basically work with certified online business managers. I have them on my team and I do a little bit of matchmaking, but like that's sort of evolving. 
helping people find good OBMs to work with and the program, you know, certifying OBMs and making sweet things happen for people who want to work for themselves and do all of these wonderful things. Somebody had posted on the last episode, do you have to have tough skin to be an OBM? Yeah, I think so. You have to be confident. You have to be confident and you do have to have tough skin because, you know, contrary to virtual assistant, because I know I'm always comparing it to that. I mean, you can compare it to a lot of different things, but if something goes wrong in my client's business, if an email sent out with a missing first name field or like something doesn't get followed up with properly or, you know, the launch is not you know, things aren't happening on time like they should be. Like, you know, people are going to look at me as the OBM on the team. So, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. And of course, with a lot of responsibility comes, you know, if things don't go right, you know, the finger gets pointed at you. And, that's all, and even though I don't really, you know, it's not necessarily the best way, sometimes it goes down like that. So you do have to have thick skin, I would say, because you have to be confident and you also have to learn to take criticism I'm really great at taking criticism because I look at everything like, okay, well, it's an opportunity to improve myself. I'm not perfect. You know, I'm confident, but I'm not perfect. But I find that sometimes, because I hear this in the community a lot of OBMs that, especially the the up and coming people as they're kind of ramping into what what is the OBM role, you know, they're sometimes feel really personally threatened by their client because their client has given them bad feed or negative feedback or whatever. And for me, you know, it's like, it is what it is. And we need, you can't take everything to heart. You need to be confident. You know, we are getting paid a premium because we're taking a big responsibility in that client's business. So it sort of comes with the territory. So yeah, thick skin, definitely. Oh, I, I did know that. And yeah. my, my skin has gotten thicker over the oh, last yeah, seven years. Thicker and, oh yeah. Thicker over the years. But totally. all those like, mistakes, nothing, all those mistakes yeah, that you just shared, I've made them all. Oh, yeah, me too. And like mistakes happen, but it's just about how you. So, I mean, when I was in corporate, oh, scary story, but when I was in corporate, the whole sort of corporate air was that if somebody, if a mistake happened, my boss would literally look for the person who made the mistake, point the finger and say, like, you made this mistake and do, 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 and put them up to the chopping block. And then that would be the end of it. There wasn't anything like the okay, how, how can we better the system so that this doesn't happen again? Because like, if something's going wrong, clearly there's something happening in the system that's not working right. So I always think of my corporate job and I think how different things are now because like, yeah, you know, if things happen, let's say, let's say the email gets sent out with the wrong first name field. You know, usually it's because somebody went in and like they were like modifying things last minute. And again, they're in reactive mode and maybe, you know, and having somebody else always double check. And even after things get changed, have that second review before it gets emailed out to the list. So it's really about looking at the system. You can blame people all you want, but that's not going to really help in the long run. Amen to that. I have found with my clients that the ones who get upset over the little things are the ones who are struggling with the most. Mm-hmm. And the clients who are seeing some form of success are like, yep, that happened. Now let's move on. Let's see how to prevent it in the future. Oh my gosh. Okay. I accidentally sent out an email in the middle of an event. Like I had to set it up during the event that I was actually at, I was speaking at, and I was also managing sales. I set up Jesus. this email. Okay. Yes, exactly. And I accidentally put my URL in 
the email as the link to click instead of the clients. It was totally unintentional. And he found it hilarious. He's like, um, do you want affiliate commission? Can I get some affiliate commission on whatever sales came through by emailing my list off of that? <laughs> but like we knew it was because I was already, I mean, I was managing the live stream, doing sales, you know. Yeah. Speaking, yeah. Like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. Setting up emails. Like, am I surprised that a mistake happened? Heck no. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the stuff that, you know, should have been thought out in advance. Well, I want to be really just thankful for the time that you've given. And I really do think that we need to come back in a couple more months. Like I would oh, love, I'd love, to. I love, I love speaking with you, Kim. It's so much fun. Yeah, it absolutely is because like, I'm excited now that I've implemented profit first and now that Jackie is really getting the ropes. Oh, you just wait till you get your hands on clockwork. Okay. I will read that. Oh, before you're going to love one. it. Make sure Jackie reads it too. You know what? Get it. Get her to read it. Oh, I already asked her to read Profit first, so I will. I'll, we'll read both yeah. of those. But yes. yeah, let's schedule for a few more months out and have a part three. Great. Oh, I'd love that. And where can the listeners find you online, find out more about your certification and just get in touch? Yeah, if you head on over to Sarah Noked, S-A-R-A-H-N-O-K-E-D.com forward slash positive. I've got some goods there for you guys and for for the listeners here. That is so awesome. Thank you so much. And listeners, if you are trying not to burn dinner, oh my gosh, I made burgers last night and I did not burn them. It was so amazing. I did burn the fries though. That's my thing. I burn dinner every yeah. time. <laughs> well, burn fries are good. Yep. TheKimSutton.com forward slash PP590 is where you will be able to find all the resources. And then the previous episode, I just want to make sure that you go back and listen to that one, which is at PP572. But Sarah, this was amazing. Just like part one. I can't wait for part Thanks, three. Thanks, Kim. Me too. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer off of this? Oh, golden nugget, a golden nugget. You know, I just feel like you got to have strong boundaries with clients. You got to stick to your guns and you really have to do things in the best interest of the client's business. Just remember that. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.